Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. Hi, folks. Today we have a number of uh, great topics to cover, some things that are updates on items that you may be waiting for an update on, and some other things that um, will give you a little better insight into how the legislature works. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, thanks, Drew, for helping with some of the uh, research uh, that's going into our bills and for being ready and willing and eager to share that with us today. Of course. Um, so let's go ahead and just jump right in. Earlier this week, we had on Monday the swearing in of the newly elected legislators, um, many of whom have been here before um, and some of whom are brand new. Um, so um, after that, they right right after that, the same day, we had bills starting to pour in. Um, so uh, how many bills and what are we looking at there? So uh, the legislature uh, came back into session on Monday, the 5th. Uh, so it is mm -hmm. now the 9th. Um, and so within four days, they've introduced 150 bills. Um, some of them are already being assigned to committees and they'll be heard in the next uh, month or so. Um, and uh, so they've they've hit the ground running for sure. Um, yeah. So I'm we, we've seen some some uh, bills regarding uh, curriculum. We've seen bills regarding uh, teacher training on certain issues. Um, we've seen some universal early child care uh, bills. We've seen some housing bills, uh, including, you know, relating to uh, religious institutions. Um, we've seen some uh, gun legislation. So they, it's it's all around. Um, there's yeah, all there's, over the map. Yeah. 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 Plenty, plenty so, of issues to cover. So how many, I mean, 150 on in the first week, this is a, you know, it's a lot of bills and it's, you know, it's the beginning of the session. I realize they're, they're eager to get going. Ultimately, we'll see two to three thousand bills introduced between now and the end of February, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, what is the what is the limit? Uh, we deal with a lot of legislation in here. It's more than in the U.S. Congress. What what what's the limit for a legislator to introduce bills? So um, they need to. There's a there's a process by which they adopt rules for every legislative session. And uh, part of those rules includes how many bills each legislator can author. So um, for uh, the assembly, each uh, assembly member is limited to 50 bills that they can author. So each assembly member, there's 80 assembly members. So that means that uh, in the assembly, uh, with 50 bills that are allowed per member, that's 4,000 bills from the assembly alone. And right. Then, and that's per that's per session, not per year. Exactly. That's so, over the two year period. Yeah. OK. Yeah. OK. And then the Senate. And then the Senate uh, has 40 members and they are each allowed 40 bills. And so that would be 1600 uh, bills from the Senate for the entire two year session. Um, so in total, that's uh, fifty six hundred bills. And. Typically, uh, last year, there were uh, over 5,300. So most of them get to that limit or pretty close. Yeah. 
yeah it's it's uh it's a lot of bills <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize this but we don't just have to read these bills one time um obviously we use a lot of uh tailored software to help us to not have to read every word but to to filter through all of this legislation but it's not just that number we're talking actually many times that because most bills are amended at least once some five six seven eight times mm -hmm. and so you end up with rewriting whole bills multiple times which means that we have to reanalyze those so um yeah this is a big number for number of bills but it's actually worse than that yeah <laughs> and 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 it's ridiculous because um it can change a bill can change two or three times in a week at times and so we have to be really vigilant and yeah it's a mess it's a lot of bills and we got to stay on top of it so i'm yeah. glad that um i'm really thankful for the incredible software that we have and a little bit of background on that we've had um people in our office working on developing um software for that particular um job of filtering legislation uh for for over 20 years and that's something that that we kind of specialize in in terms of being aware of legislation and the the details of how to find something that's bad that being said terminology changes and it's something that we have to stay on top of every year of being aware of well what terms have changed in the society in the culture and in the legislature that we need to update in our software to make sure that we're catching the new stuff that uses different terms than it did last year or 10 years ago so so we have to be really vigilant on that and um, make sure that we're staying on top of it. Obviously, you mentioned, Drew, that we've got a wide range of topics, some of which we've dealt with in detail in the past. Um, early childhood education is one of those. Um, so we'll be watching uh, these bills as, as they move forward. There's an aspect of the new bills that um, I wanted specifically to address where it comes to bills that there isn't much to them. And um, we we have different names for some of these bills. Um, we call them spot bills or intent bills. Um, and we you you found some of these uh, even within the last week, right, Drew? Yeah. With with they they tend to show up right at the beginning of session um, and the beginning of the year. So we have some bills that they're only what a paragraph long or a couple of sentences or sometimes even one sentence. Um, and they can they can come in a couple of different forms. They can say it is the intent of the legislature to write a bill about this topic. And sometimes it says nothing, but it includes a code section and changes of that to a which. And just as a placeholder, as a placeholder bill that's introduced at this time so that they can later amend it to do something in that code section or maybe even in a different code section but it's a placeholder it's something that's got that bill in the works now there's a couple of reasons that they do that these bills are called spot bills or intent bills the couple of reasons would be um because they're trying to just get things started 
and they want to have something introduced so they can come back and work on it later so they have a little bit of their work out of the way early on. Another reason that's really important that they do this now as opposed to later has to do with the 31-day rule. Now, when you look at a piece of legislation and you look at the status on it, um, you'll see on the legislative website that it tells you when it can be acted on after a certain date. And it'll show that in the daily file too. Each bill will have a, it, this bill may be acted on after a such and such a date. And that's because there's a rule that when a bill is introduced, that bill can't be acted on. It can't be heard in a committee or um, voted on for 30, um, 31 days uh, um, so that it gives everybody a chance to look at the bill before it's voted on um, or moves forward. That um, that means that they can um, get the bill started, they can introduce it, but they can't move it through the legislature. Now, they have waived this in the past, which I believe we reported on this, was it just last year? Yeah, it was, it was last year it. They, they amended it in order to, to suspend that rule, and so they were moving legislation through right away. Like, right, yeah. Really fast. And, and I think, if I remember right, um, uh, this is, so this is a constitutional requirement and they were able to, um, suspend that rule with a two thirds vote in both houses. So it's a, it's a, it's a vote to override the, the regular rules governing the legislature when they override that rule. So far, um, we have that rule, but, um, we, we want to make sure that, uh, as we watch these bills moving forward, when they do start getting amended, they don't have a change in them that's going to negatively impact us. Um, so we watch some of these bills from the get-go. Even, even now, we're watching them to make sure that there's nothing um, in them already that causes problems or when they start amending them with real language that goes in the code that there's nothing bad in them too. So, um, yeah, so that's spot bills. Um, because uh, the legislature is just getting settled in, some of the other things that we do to get information on bills early on uh, takes a little bit of time to get going on too. There's a slow start to some of these things. I was at the uh, Capitol yesterday and a lot of legislators haven't moved in at all yet. I was in a couple of offices where um, most of the space is empty. They have desks, but nothing on them. Uh, so um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of just trying to get moved in and get settled. Some legislators are, um, the new folks are trying to figure out staff and get staff hired and placed and um, getting everybody situated. So there's a little bit of a slow process getting information on legislation. Um, we... Uh, request information on the bills that we are concerned about and trying to get more information about and trying to um, understand better. And so we contact legislators, offices, and staff. We will call them and ask for a fact sheet. And a fact sheet is something that most legislators use to help describe the need for a piece of legislation, a, a reason why they're pursuing a bill. And it explains um, their perspective on why they're presenting the bill um and the background behind it so we ask for that piece of information that that fact sheet and um this time of year 
<laughs> we're not getting a lot of quick responses, right? You said you got a response um, from somebody, Drew, that, um, um, what did they say? They said they don't have it yet. Yeah, they basically said, um, we're still working on the actual language of it. So this was one of the bills that, that we're tracking that's really just intent language right now. So yeah. kind of a spot bill. Um, basically, the spot bill is kind of kind of acts as the framework to say, hey, we're going to write legislation about this. And then later, once they have a plan, it's filled in. And so I've already requested a fact sheet on it. And basically, um, establishing those contacts allows me to just have a, have a way, you know, a window into that office to say, hey, you know, like we've talked before, do you have any information on this bill? And um, the fact sheets are really helpful because they, they're basically built to be um, much more readable, um, basically, almost like a like a press release for the bill, right? This is right. kind of, hey, this is what we're dealing with. This is the problem that we're trying to address. This is how we're going to do it. And then it also uh, very often includes a list of sponsors, supporters, opposition. So it's really helpful to see, okay, who wants this done? Why might they want it done? Who's opposing it? Who's supporting it? And um, from there, it really informs a lot of uh, a lot of the action that we take on each bill. Yeah, and and I appreciate the sponsor information because it helps us understand not only um, kind of who's behind this, but also who do we need to talk to besides the author's office um, that can also help us work on wording. Um, because other people are invested in this bill and we need to know who those people are so that we can um, be working with them to, to resolve issues. Um, that's the best way to work um, behind the scenes to work with everybody that's concerned about it so that we can um, come to a, a conclusion or a, a solution on a bill that, um, that makes people um, at least somewhat happy and um, resolves as many of the, the conflicts as possible. Um, so, so, so we've talked about bills, we've talked about um, them getting started. On day one, uh, the legislature comes into office, and they go to the their respective floors, they, they do their swearing in. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that, because it's really important for us to understand that legislators take an oath of office, they are committing to doing something they have been elected by the people. They are representing a specific district um, in your local area. Um, so I want to I want us to 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 watch that um, and to and to listen to that oath of office so that it's very clear what it is they're committing to do, um, because it's important for us to understand that so that we can hold them accountable. Because we're the people that put them in that office, and we need to make sure that we understand our responsibility too, because we're responsible as citizens to hold them accountable to their oath and to doing what they have promised to do. So, um, so do we have that, um, that clip to go ahead and play? And yeah, I have the, um, the oath of office for the assembly. And okay. So excellent. It's, uh, it's presented by a chief justice of the California Supreme court. And so, um, we'll play that for you now. Very good. For the office of the member of the assembly, first of all, congratulations to all of you. This is really amazing. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I state your name. Do solemnly swear that I will support and defend 
The Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance. To the Constitution of the United States. and the Constitution of California. That I take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation, or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties upon which I'm about to enter. Congratulations. So um, they're sworn in. They take that oath of office at the beginning of each session. Um, so some of these legislators, most many of them have taken this oath before. Um, they're all taking it freshly now, both the previous legislators as well as the current, the brand new elected folks. Um, it's important for us to recognize that, that, um, that they have taken this oath and it's an oath that they are making to the people of California, and that's us. And so as we make sure that we're um, doing our job as citizens, we need to make sure that um, we are uh, paying attention to what they're doing um, day to day in their work as legislators, and also that we are paying attention to if they're uh, keeping their oath. And so I think it's uh, it's nice that we're able to to see that video of them to see that uh, that video is streamed live uh, at the beginning of every session, and um, we'll have a clip of it um, separately also on our on our YouTube channel, so you can take a look at that there again. Um, but also, uh, just be aware that they have made this oath and that um, your legislator who represents you in your local district is somebody that you can approach and you can go and talk to them and you can express concerns to them. Uh, legislators are people too, and they need to hear from us. They want to hear from us, um, generally speaking, um, specifically if you live in their district. And the best way to, to do that is for you to uh, make an appointment with or do a drop-in visit to their district office. Legislators work in the Capitol office, um, usually from Monday through Thursday, and then they're home at their district um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They usually are doing work in their Capitol offices or in their district offices on Fridays. So you should be able to make an appointment with your legislator to visit with them, or th at least visit with their staff in the local um, district office 
um, either on Fridays when the legislator is there or at some other time of the week when you can visit with district staff. Now, it is valuable to, to visit with the legislator and their staff or their staff um, because it's a personal connection. And building that personal connection, uh, that relationship there is really valuable and important uh, because uh, they value people, they value the people in their district, and they um, they have a connection to you that's maybe outside of some conflict. So we end up sending out action alerts and asking people to make phone calls on things when things are already uh, kind of crazy in the legislature and we have a problem. So right now is an opportunity for you to build a relationship even by dropping off a, a, a basket of um, a basket of cookies or some flowers to their local district office and just introducing yourself and saying that you live in the district um, that's a positive way that you can build a connection with them just just having that eye-to-eye -eye connection with a staffer or a legislator can go a long way toward having them be more likely to listen to you when there is a problem. So I would encourage you to do that. And if you are, want more information about that, you can visit our website and learn about that on our Advocacy From Home uh, webpage. And um, we have a, a series of videos that teaches you how to do that. Um, and also we even have packets of information. We'd be happy to send you about this if you're interested in taking that step because it's really critical for uh, in a state of 40 million people to be able to have a one-on-one -on -one connection with somebody in those district offices. It's really important. And it's an opportunity that you have to have a huge impact that if you don't take that step and just go to that local district office, you never open that door. So any thoughts on that, Drew? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, that, a uh, a lot of, um, I mean, like I've, you know, we've both said repeatedly, local action really takes uh it makes the most difference right i think we're we're so often focused on national issues international issues and yet where most of the the actual um the actual political will that um that can be exercised will be that that'll have the most effect on you is right on your most local level Right. That's right. So talking with your your district uh, or talking to your legislator at their district office. Right. Going in with your family, um, all of these these uh, these ways to to reach out to them and actually establish a connection. It does so much more than them hearing, oh, here's a poll on this issue. Right. You know, that's right. And so so having that that personal connection really redefines i think how um how legislators interact with the people that elect them yeah so yeah, absolutely having those connections are pivotal yeah okay um so um so that being said um we want to make sure that you have all the tools you need to be able to do that and you can certainly find them on our website um getting uh under get involved um and it's it's uh not hard to do. If you have any specific questions about that, certainly give us a call or send us an email through our, our website and we are happy to help you. We really love helping people make those district connections, um, particularly because it makes our job easier. It just does. Yeah. So um, please um, take advantage of that opportunity. Um, additionally, I want to um, 
get into some things related to um, Capital Day is is something else that I want to talk about today. And and we've mentioned this last time that um, Capital Day is filling up. Um, but Capital Day is another opportunity for you to make an impact and to um, provide uh, that connection, that one one on one connection. And Capital Day is when we take a group of homeschool families to the Capitol. We do training. Um, we we talk about how to build those relationships, and we go in and have um, visits. We drop off packets at all 120 legislators' capital offices here in Sacramento. We um, have interactive interactive discussions with uh, legislators and their staff um, that builds relationships and helps them see real live homeschool families and can see that we are. Um, people that can contribute to society and um that it's it's a it's a really great opportunity for them to get to to meet homeschoolers in person which is a really valuable thing um, for legislators to to have that um for us at fpm it's a valuable thing for legislators to have that interaction with real homeschoolers um, because it helps them it opens their eyes to see um that that we're uh, reasonable people that we're normal people and that we can um, we can interact with them in a positive way and it's again it's an opportunity to be interacting with them not in not from conflict but from a positive point of view of we're coming in to just introduce ourselves to provide information to them we're helping them in this event we are providing helpful information. Um, we we see smiles on faces at this event that we never see the rest of the year. So it's a great opportunity to uh, open the door to these offices in a way that um, that I can't do by myself, that Drew can't do um, by himself. It's something uh, special where a homeschool family shows up and um, kids are able to interact with staff and legislators and to, to, to sort of break down some barriers and it really is helpful to us. So um, I would love to see everyone there. Definitely um, uh, definitely get registered soon. Um, we are filling up. We have, I think, 20, 25% capacity left in this event. It has filled up very quickly. Um, but one thing I want you to keep in mind, especially is that if you have applied and have been approved, but you haven't registered yet, and haven't gotten a registration confirmation address uh, email from us, then you're not actually in and your spot might be given to someone else. Um, we have had more interest expressed in this than we have seats available. So I know there will be people that want to come that don't get a spot. So um, if you do wanna come, even if you have already applied, make sure that you have registered um, because if you haven't registered, um, you're not actually, you don't have a seat reserved for you. So you might be giving your seat to someone else if you don't register. Uh, you will be giving your seat to someone else if you don't register. So definitely get on that right away if you're not registered. Um, what else do we need to talk about, Drew? Well, um, I know that uh, that one thing that um, people, some people uh, listening or watching may not know is that uh, you do a a monthly um event with uh some other leaders uh, yeah in the state uh called freedom watch right 
Yeah, Freedom Watch with um, with Chia. That's something that we started together. Uh, FPM and Chia started together a couple of years ago, and um, it's really uh, a great way to to get get up to date on some some things going on. Um, I am hoping that um, we will be giving you a little bit more update on the um, help me with the name here, the RFMA. Yeah, um, Respect for Marriage Act. Re Respect for Marriage Act. Um, which has now gone from uh, the Senate in the U U.S. Capitol to the House in the U.S. Capitol, and from the House it has passed also and gone to the President. So that um, that Respect for Marriage Act has gone to the Governor's desk. Um, President's may pre sorry, thank you, the President's desk. Too too focused on California here. Yeah. And um, so President Biden has that either on his desk or he, I suppose he may be either signing it right as of now or shortly. Um, so um, that is something to definitely be aware of and learn about. You need to learn about what what that means. And um, because it is a it is a threat to religious freedom. It is a threat to the family and it is um, something that's dangerous. Uh, to our freedoms here in California and across the nation. So um, definitely stay tuned to that at um, homes at uh, at uh, Freedom Watch. We have um, the the opportunity of having um, somebody, a couple of people from Chia, as well as myself, talking about these issues. But um, uh, John McGowan is a is an attorney that's really great in talking about some of these these national issues, and I'm really grateful for um, his. Um, his thoughts on these. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to get an update on that at Freedom Watch um, next week. It's on the 16th, I believe. So yeah, a week from um, today, Friday yeah. the 16th. And that'll be on um, on Chia's Facebook page live. It'll also be posted on, um, on FBM's page. We'll put it out on our YouTube channel, on our website. So it'll be available if you don't if you don't watch it live, it'll be out there. Um, right. So it's usually about between you know, what, 30 minutes, half an hour or 30 yeah. minutes to an hour conversation. Yeah. 20, 20 to 40 minutes usually is, is what it is. So, um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great, um, place to get updated on, on some things. Um, as, as we look into the rest of this year, um, looking at legislation, we've kind of, given a summary of some of the topics that we've seen so far already. Um, what are your predictions, Drew, as far as what we're to expect as we go into um, as we go into January when we see a huge pile of bills? Um, I, I was thinking the other day, it's just it's it's a massive amount of bills that that get dumped on California in in the early part of the year. Um, we we have a just 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 mayhem dropped on us so so what are your predictions in terms of what what we're up against well um there's always a lot of education bills i mean that's you know that's a large that's a large part of what we what we do right mm -hmm. deal with education yep. um especially pertaining to homeschool freedom and um i think in the last couple of sessions uh what's what's dubbed you know the culture war has really yeah. come home to roost in California, especially for certain legislators that uh, that seem to have a bone to pick uh, with a lot of these these issues. And so, um, 
that brings, you know, religious liberty, homeschool freedoms, parental rights, a lot of that into the crosshairs, even even if that's not the main focus of some of these legislations, which in some cases it is, um, we we end up in a lot of battles uh, as kind of a a uh, a side attack, right? Something that um, yeah. So a lot of a lot of um, a lot of education bills, um, a lot of you know what we've dealt with, especially during COVID, is medical freedom bills, um, you know, religious liberty, like you know during during lockdowns. I mean, they're still going to be introducing COVID legislation you know, just as a reaction, just as a, you know, continuance of other programs. It's, and California is, is, I think, a standout in that, in that regard now compared to a lot, a lot of the, uh, the rest of the nation. Um, So, yeah, I think we'll see a lot of the same bills that we fight every year. Um, But I also think that the, the, the focus is shifting more. Um, I think the attacks are becoming more, more direct and more um more mm-hmm. intentional because a lot of bills we've we've dealt with have been you know they have a they have a side effect that's not they're not intending it but it would in, impact homeschool legislate or homeschool freedoms right so we've dealt with a lot of that yeah um and yeah. so but uh some i think coming down the pipe i can see a, a lot of legislation that would be more specifically targeted especially with the growth of homeschool yeah. during covid right i know this time last year we um we predicted basically that there were going to be at least five or six bills specifically targeting targeting um vaccines um perhaps getting into parental parental rights at least on a couple of those Mm -hmm. um and parental authority and dealing with issues of who who has the authority in the family to make medical decisions um and that was that was definitely before the end of the year that we we predicted that and um we were anticipating a number of bills being introduced in january which ultimately ended up happening there were about um, five or six really big ones <laughs> yeah and and we spent a considerable amount of time uh this year dealing with one particular bill that did um sb866 that did directly attack the family and directly attack um the rights of parents to make decisions for their children so i think um um as we look this right now from now out to the next year it's um i I think i think you're right the culture war uh that we're seeing here specifically with regard to the family and the parents being uh the authority in the home is being undermined and it's going to continue to be undermined in very direct ways um, that we haven't seen before. Um, one of the concerns that we also have is is continuing to watch the the issues of curriculum and specific areas of instruction. Um, so we'll be we'll be watching that and and keeping people posted on on that as well. But uh, we just need to be vigilant and and remember ultimately that. Um, that a God is is for us, and um, if God is for us, who can be against us? So, I think with that, um, thanks for joining us to this this time, and uh, we'll we'll be talking to you again soon. Yeah, thank you all. All right, thanks for talking, you, Nathan. Yeah, take care. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Front Line with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here. 
Check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.